we'd like to welcome you back to our current event and weekly Bible study. Actually, in this particular case, it's the study that we're doing on uh, the Apocrypha, Catholic Church, and the warning that we're giving regarding that in Tom Horn and Raiders News Network. So, why the Apocrypha isn't in the Bible? Uh, number one, the Apocryphal books were not permitted among the sacred books during the first four centuries of the real Christian church. I'm certainly not talking about the Catholic religion, which is not Christian. Two, the Apocrypha contains fabulous statements which, which not only contradict the canonical scriptures in certain places, but also themselves. For example, in the two books of Maccabees, Antiochus Epiphanes is made to die three different deaths in three different places. No contradiction there. Uh, maybe it's like a cat with nine lives. I don't know. Anyway, uh, number three, the Apocrypha includes doctrines and variants with, with the Bible, such as prayers for the dead and sinless perfection. The following verses are taken from the Apocrypha translation of Ronald Knox, dated 1954. Uh, the basis for the doctrine of purgatory. In 2 Maccabees 12, verses 43 through 45, 2,000 pieces of silver were sent to Jerusalem for a sin offering, whereupon he made reconciliation for the dead, that they might be delivered from sin. Now, see, there's no place in the Bible where we can get the doctrine of purgatory. So the Catholic Church had to say, well, how are we going to justify these doctrines? Well, what we'll do is we'll add in these heretical apocrypha books, call them the canon of Scripture, Call them co-equals with the word of God. And then now we've got our key verses to justify our little pet cult doctrines. And here's the one for purgatory. They were going to give 2,000 pieces of silver so some guy could make reconciliation for the dead? That they might be delivered from sin? (laughs) Wow. No, you either go to heaven or hell. Once, Once you die, it's too late for that. There's no such thing as purgatory or limbo. For that matter. Limbo is one of my favorites, I think. It's it's neat. Anyway, uh, salvation by works and indulgences. Ecclesiasticus. It's not the book of Ecclesiastes in the Bible. It's a little different. Very similar name. Different. Anyway, Ecclesiasticus 3.30. Water will quench a flaming fire, and alms make atonement for sin. So now we can buy our way out of sin, which is where we get the um, justification for salvation by works and also the Catholic doctrine of indulgences, which, you know, at one time it was so bad where you could literally go and uh, tell your Catholic priest what you did, and he says, okay, it's going to cost you this. You could literally pay ahead. I've seen examples, um, not... I believe in the last 50 years, of course, this probably goes on behind closed doors still, but openly what they would admit to, where you could say, well, what if I want to rape a little girl? Well, that'll cost you this. So you pay it ahead of time, so you've already got that sin covered. It's that sickening and disgusting. Yet, more fruit of the Catholic Church. Well, this is how they get their doctrines. This is how they get justification for it, from supposedly books they deem biblical. Alms maketh atonement for sin. Tobit 12, 8-9 and 17 says, It is better to give alms than to lay up gold, for alms doth deliver from death. Alms meaning offerings, money. Alms doth deliver from death? And shall purge away all sin. Oh, I thought that was the blood of Jesus Christ. No, 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 no. Alms is what purges away all sin. You just got to have deep pockets. And then you can walk around in sinless perfection. According to the Catholic Church. Isn't this sick? Well, this is, this is how they justify it. Here's another one. Mary was born sinless. In other words, she never committed sin. Now, Jesus never committed the sin, but they're saying she, wasn't born with, she was born without sin as well. The Immaculate Conception. Well, where do we get that? Wisdom... 8, 19, and 20 says, And I was a witty child, and I had received a good soul. And whereas I was more good, I came to a body undefiled. Wow. The Bible says all of sin and come short of the glory of God. No, 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 no. They came to a body undefiled. Number four. 
The Apocrypha teaches immoral practices, such as lying, suicide, assassination, and magical incantations. Number five, the book of Tobit promotes witchcraft. And when the Pope of Rome reopened the canon, he included this book, which also promoted witchcraft. Well, it should. I mean, that's what the Catholic Church is all about, its highest levels especially, witchcraft. Tobit 6.8, the angel says, quote, As for the fish's heart and liver, you must burn them to make a smoke in the presence of a man or a woman afflicted by a demon or evil spirit. And every affliction will flee away and never remain with that person any longer. End of quote. An angel supposedly said this. You just got to take a uh, fish's liver and heart and burn them and make the smoke. And then what it's going to do is drive away all the evil spirits. No, that doesn't sound too pagan or superstitious. Why wasn't there a warning from Tom Horn about these verses? Why isn't there a warning about all his shameless promotion of the Catholic Church? Particularly as of late. I mean, it's, he's done it for a long time, but it's ramping up now more and more. A little later, the same angel instructs Tobias regarding the, his marriage to Sarah and says in Tobit 6, 17 and 18, quote, When you enter the bridal chamber, take some of the fish's liver and heart and put them on the embers of the incense. An odor will be given off, the demon will smell it and flee, and will never be seen near her anymore. End of quote. So, she could live like a devil for the rest of her life, and that demon's going to flee because he smelled that fish liver burning. It, it makes sense to me. I don't know about you guys. I mean, come on. It sounds plausible. Happened last Wednesday, actually. I'm no, just kidding. Anyway, yeah, th- this, is, uh, this is the kind of garbage that you can get into with the Apocrypha. A sixth point. The Apocrypha book of Sirach is a book about a false messiah. His name was Jesus bar Sirach, and he lived approximately 200 years before Jesus of Nazareth. So, and it, that could potentially cause confusion. Number seven. No Apocrypha book is referred to in the New Testament, whereas the Old Testament is referred to hundreds of times. Number eight. Because of these and other reasons, the Apocrypha books are, the only, are only valuable as ancient documents illustrative of the manners, language, opinions, and history of the East. But, be careful, you know, with this. So, was it the Apocrypha in the King James Bible? Because that's the next question that's going to come up. The King James translators never considered the Apocrypha the Word of God, but as books of some historical value. The Apocrypha was sandwiched between the Old and the New Testament books as an appendix of reference material. The follow- this followed the format that Luther had used. Again, Luther came out of the Catholic Church. Luther prefaced the Apocrypha with the statement, quote, The Apocrypha, that is, the books which are not regarded as equal to holy scriptures. End of quote. Uh, the King James divert, Version Defined, which is Dr. Waite's um, King James Bible. It's the King James Bible. It's just got a lot of the archaic words defined. On page 98 says, In 1599, 12 years before the King James Bible was published, King James said, here's what he said about the Apocrypha. This is King James. He said, quote, As to the Apocrypha books, I omit them, because I am no papist. As I said before. In other words, he's not beholden or following the Pope. He omitted them. So, King Charles James Stewart of the Basilicon Doron, page 13, says, The Apocrypha began, or, oh no, that was where he said that, quote, King James uh, Charles Stewart, Basilicon Doron, page 13. There's a link there, too, as well. The Apocrypha began to be omitted from the authorized version in 1629, the Puritans and Presbyterians lobbied for the complete removal of the Apocrypha from the Bible, and in 1825, the British and Foreign Bible Society agreed. From that time on, the Apocrypha has been eliminated from practically all English Bibles, Catholic Bibles, and some pulpit Bibles except, accepted. Concerning the Dead Sea Scrolls, there may be some information in them that parallels the Masoretic text, but there are fables in them too. You've got to be real careful with Dead Sea Scrolls. Okay, uh, I went, I could do a whole study on that, I just... So many things you can do a study on. It goes on to say, this is the person writing this article, I went to see the scrolls a few years ago, with great exception, but found a bunch of fables. The best defense against error in any form, fake Bibles and religions, is a a solid knowledge of your King James Bible. 
Jesus Christ said, if you continue in my word, my word, the King James Bible in this English speaking language, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now, we always hear that that last part of that verse quoted by secular whoever. Oh, you'll know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Yeah, but it's predicated on the verse before it. If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So, a big thing regarding you not being deceived, literally, is getting in the King James Bible. That by itself will do wonders. I told you that before, when I was in really, really extreme charismania in the, in the charismatic church, I did not see a lot of the really crazy, wacky stuff they were doing as unscriptural. But when I finally yielded to the truth of the King James Bible and started reading it, all of a sudden my eyes got opened to all this other garbage, and I was all of a sudden shown truth. It's that big of a deal. It really is. It's not a trivial matter. Uh, and then there's a bibliography here of, of references regarding the article that we just um, talked about. I also have my teaching on the King James Bible defended as the preserved word of God, parts 1, 3, 4, and 5. 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. So I'll give you the links there. They're in green. And that's on page 6 of the PDF. And then Tom Horn also came out with this video, recently promoting his Catholic Apocrypha compendium listed here. And it's a whole video, I'm not going to play it, but he openly endorses the pagan reprobate, and again, I listened to it, so I know what I'm saying, that's why I wrote this in here. Watch the video, he openly endorses the pagan reprobate, falsely labeled early church father, Clement of Alexandria. He openly endorses this guy in the video, okay? Who Horn says in this video, and you can click on it if you want to see it, Tom Horn says in the video above was a friend of the Apostle Paul. He said that Clement of Alexandria was a friend of the Apostle Paul. But Clement wasn't even born until 150 AD. Whereas Paul died around 66 to 67 AD. (laughs) See a problem here? So how could they be friends when the Apostle Paul died about 83 years before Clement was born? See, people say stuff and they think, oh, nobody's going to check me out. The guy was dead 83 years before Paul... Or Paul died 83 years before Alexander of Clement was born and Tom Horn says they were good buddies. Uh, what does he do? Did he pull like a Benny Hinn, Catherine Kuhlman thing where he, like, he goes to the grave and waits for Catherine to call on the phone outside the uh, crypt? She's got a phone in her crypt. Seriously. Or maybe just kind of the necromancy thing going on? No, they weren't buddies. Okay. Let's look at good old St. Clement of Alexandria, who Paul, who Tom Horn references in this video, endorsing this pagan, reprobate, falsely labeled, quote, early church father. Let's look at him. Hmm. St. Clement of Alexandria, there's a picture of him, a real Catholicly looking morbid picture. Born, 150, A.D., in Athens. Hmm. Okay. Honored. Where was he honored? Coptic Orthodox churches, Roman Catholic Church, and the Anglican Communion. Well, the Roman Catholic Church spawned other false churches like the, you know, Coptic Orthodox and these types. They came out of her. When was he canonized? Well, that's only something the Catholics do, right? Yeah. Well, he was canonized. Pre-congregation. They don't actually have a date on that, I guess. But he was canonized by the Catholic Church. Now, that, there's no red flags here so far, right? No. This is a guy, Tom Horn, openly promoting... Say so good buddies with Paul, even though he was Paul was dead eighty three years before the guy was born. Hmm. Okay, yeah. Um, there's a feast to him in the Catholic Church, December fourth, the Roman Catholic Church. There's a feast to him in the Episcopal Church as well, December fifth. Hmm. Again, another spawn of the Catholic Church. Titus Flavius Clemens, also known as Clement of Alexandria, was a pseudo a pagan pseudo Christian theologian. 
That's why I inserted the pagan pseudo. Christian theologian, because they say Christian. No, he wasn't. He was, he was a forerunner to the Catholic Church. Was a pagan pseudo-Christian theologian and the head of the noted catechetical school of Alexandria. Whenever you see Alexandria, Egypt, red flags should go up majorly hardcore. The, the library in Alexandria, the one that burned down, had all the pagan writings and all the pagan doctrines. That's where Catholicism really got its roots. A lot of the people that didn't want to take a literal interpretation of scripture went there and basically formed their own version of pagan Christianity. Didn't happen all at once, but it happened over time. He was one of the main guys at the very spear tip of that. Clement is best remembered as the teacher of Origen. Origen's another gigantic red flag. Okay, he united Greek philosophical traditions with Christian doctrine and valued gnosis. What's gnosis mean? Hidden knowledge. It's also what the word occult literally means: hidden knowledge. That's why witches and them, they all they was pursuing, the, oh, I want to go higher, I want to attain higher, I've got to get this hidden knowledge. It's what the Freemasons are based on. It's what all occult societies are based on. Hidden knowledge. He united Greek philosophical traditions with Christian doctrine and valued Gnosis. That with communion for all people could be held by common Christians specially chosen by God. Though he constantly opposes the concept of Gnosis as defined by the Gnostics, he used the term Gnostic for Christians who had attained the deeper teaching of the Logos. Doesn't that sound a little bit like the emerging Christianity movement we got going on today, where people say, oh, we need to get into meditation, and we need to do this, and we need to do that. We need to get the deeper meaning of this. And this is what Jesus really meant. And really, we don't need to take a literal interpretation of that in the Bible. We need to have this new teaching. In fact, this angel told me this thing the other day, even though it contradicts the Word of God. Same garbage. Just a lot earlier. He developed a Christian Platonism, like Plato, Christian Platonism, Plato, the heretical philosopher, ungodly, unsaved, yeah, Christian Platonism. That's what he developed, this guy, this Alexander, this Clement of Alexandria. He presented the goal of Christian life as deification. <laughs> like, you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil? Like the first lie of the Garden of Eden that got Eve to sin and partake of the uh, forbidden fruit? Yeah. He presented the goal of Christian life as deification. That means I'm going to be my own God. I'm going to be deified. Satan said you shall be as gods, knowing good or evil. It's the main lie of the coming age of Aquarius that we're going to be going into that the New Agers I'll talk about. You're going to attain Godhood now. When the Ascended Masters come back and all the, the aliens with them to straighten out all the world's problems and to finally reveal to us all the heirs and all the religions and actually to finally tell us that they are our creators and now we're going to become just like them and they're going to deify us and we're going to become come as our own gods like they are and attain godhood. It's the biggest lie of the Bible and Satan hasn't changed his tactics. Same deal, different day. So, he presented the goal of the Christian life as deification, identified both as Platonism's assimilation into God and the biblical imitation of God. Like Origen, he arose from Alexandria's catechetical school and was well-versed in pagan literature. Now, this is just a write-up about him. It's all referenced. It's not anything against him. I added in like the pseudo-pagan part, but this is just a... Uh, Expose of the guy. Origen succeeded Clement as the head of the school. Alexandria had a major pseudo-Christian community, noted for its corrupted scholarship and its corrupted copies of scripture. I added in the corrupted part. Okay, so continuing. Now, again, this is like the forerunner to where the Catholics got all their bad doctrine, or a lot of it. You can go back to Alexandria, Egypt. I mean, in the Bible, 
God warns not to even warns kings not to even go there to buy horses. Warns Solomon that. And Egypt's usually always associated with bad things, the world, this types of stuff, carnality. So again, this is where we have this taking place. Clement and Origen taught the allegorical, meaning the meaning like a fable or a parable. Interpretation of scripture. In other words, everything was allegory. Scripture is not to be taken literally at all. It's just it's just a fable. And they're going to. So we've got basically Satan's Bible teachers here going to give us a Bible lesson. So that's what they taught, and they taught interpretation of scripture in their school of Alexandria, where they synthesized Neoplatonism with false Christianity to produce a pagan Christianized version of Gnosticism. Sounds like the Catholic Church. It was. It was the forerunner to the Catholic Church. This is where it all went down originally. Right here. Ground zero. Where the Bible started getting corrupted. Or biblical principles start getting corrupted. Right here. Ground zero. Clement is sometimes falsely counted as one of the early church fathers. He advocated, and that's what Tom Horn's saying he is. He advocated a vegetarian diet and claimed that the apostles, Peter, Matthew, and James, uh, James the Just, were vegetarians. They were vegans, actually. They, they subsisted on a life of mung beans and Swiss chard, to be more specific. Sorry, I, I got a little vegan on you there for a second. Anyway, let's go further. I've done a whole thing on ve- vegetarianism, too, if you want to know about that. And the hallelujah diet. And the wisdom of the, of the Levitical dietary guidelines. Just key in either Hallelujah Diet or Vegetarianism, or if you want to know about the Levitical dietary guidelines, key that all in, in the search box at ContendingForTruth.com. Anyway, let's go further here. Uh, another article off Tom Horn's website promoting more false religion. It's entitled, Would You Accept a Robot as Your Pastor, Priest, or Vicar? This is the title of the of the headline on one of his news stories. Would you accept a robot as your pastor, priest, or vicar? Vicar? What is that? Well, haven't you heard of Vicks Rub? You, you rub it on your chest when you get a cold and, you know, the aromatherapy? No, no, it's not that. It's the Pope refers to himself as the vicar of Christ. What does the word vicar mean? Substitute. On the inside of his little Dagon Pope hat that looks like a fish from the side, like the Dagon fish, that's where it comes from, just so you know. It says, Vicar of Christ. Substitute of Christ. The Pope believes that he is the substitute for Jesus Christ on planet Earth, and that's why he's infallible in what he says goes. He's here in substitute of Jesus Christ. He's the replacement. So I thought that was interesting, his choice of words there. Pastor, priest, or vicar. And it's it's kind of funny because you've got pastor, okay, that's biblical. Priest or vicar, neither of those is really, I mean, obviously he's in reference to the Catholic Church here. Hmm. Wow. I'm just going to read you this little uh, thing where he's promoting this. With artificial intelligence and robots taking over jobs from bank teller to carpet cleaner, I decided to see whether something called a cleaver bot could take over mine. The Cleaverbot is a kind of artificial intelligent ap- application that chats with humans using sentences from previous conversations. It is the consummate copycat. I, on the other hand, am, am an Episcopalian priest. I teach about faith, guide them through spir- difficult spiritual moments, and assist with sacraments. Now, the Episcopalians are just a spawn of the Catholic Church. Those, the, all those denominations are going to go right back to their mother whore, the Catholic Church. They're all going back. They're, they're making that transition as we speak. The Lutherans, the Episcopalians, the whatever flavor of denomination ever came out of the Catholic... The Protestants, because they were protesting in the Protestant Reformation. They call themselves Protestant denominations. They came out of the Catholic Church. They're going back to their mother whore. The one true church that the Catholic Church proclaims itself to be, and these other churches are basically proclaiming them to be as well. I've done whole studies on that. So I find it interesting here is that we've got, now here's another thing, promoting false religion on his site. He refers to pastor, priest, or vicar, and then he's letting this Episcopalian preach write this article for Raiders News Network, and not 
exposing the Episcopalians as a cult or false religion. No, 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 no. He's promoting it. And this guy says, I teach people about faith, guide them through difficult spiritual moments and assist them with sacraments. Sacraments? How Catholic can you get? I just, I wanted to throw that in. Now, let's get really to the meat of the matter. Tom Horn's newest Catholic-promoting blockbuster money-making scheme. Now, didn't we just talk about his new... Yeah, he's got another one already. He's got another book. I can't even keep up with this guy. He's got more money-making schemes than, than any, any ministry I've ever seen in my life. Petrus Romanus, The Final Pope is Here. That is the name of his new book. Uh, I'm looking at the cover. It's on the PDF. Catholic and evangelical scholars have dreaded his appearance for centuries. Unfortunately, time for avoiding Peter the Roman just ran out. That's this quote by Michael Lake on the cover. Uh, the Final Pope is Here. Petrus Romanus by Tom Horn and Chris Putnam. Okay? This is his newest money-making book. Now, let's read. What does he have to say about this? Okay? I let this... When it first came out, I wanted to immediately do a study. But I let this kind of play out a little bit. And I did some more research. And I let some other articles come from his ministry that totally confirm what we're dealing with here. For more than 800 years, scholars have pointed to the dark... Now, I'm reading... This is the advertisement for the book. Okay? For more than 800 years, scholars have pointed to the dark arguery having to do with the last pope. The prophecy taken from St. Malcolm's prophecy of the popes, who was also a Catholic, St. Malcolm, um, is among a list of verses predicting each of the Roman Catholic popes from Pope Celestine II to the final pope, Peter the Roman, whose reign would end in the destruction of Rome. First published in 1595, the prophecies were attributed to St. Malcolm by a Benedictine historian named Arnold D. Wyan. I imagine he was a Benedictine monk, who were one of the main ones that were there recording the things that were going on during the Inquisition regarding torturing of the, of the very many uh, true born-again Bible-believing Christians and other people that they tortured and killed. So, anyway, he recorded them in his book. Again, they, were, they seem to have a lot to do with history, recording things. Um... His book was named Lignum Vitae. Tradition holds that Malcomy had been called to Rome by Pope Innocent II. And while he was there in Rome, he experienced the vision of the future popes, including the last one, which he wrote down in a series of cryptic phrases. Now, again, we've got a demon-possessed guy who has a vision, basically in the presence of the Pope. I'm definitely going to put a lot of stock in that. I'm definitely going to point people to that as something that you really want to really, you know, get into, believe, give it a lot of validity. We really want to point people to that. According to the prophecy, the next pope following Benedict the 16th is to be the final pontiff, Petrus Romanus, or Peter the Roman. Throughout history, many Catholic priests, some deceased now, have been surprisingly outspoken on what they have seen as this inevitable danger rising from within the ranks of Catholicism as the result of a secret satanic Illuminati Masonic influence. Okay, so he said all that to say this. Okay, so throughout history, many Catholic priests have been surprisingly outspoken what they've seen as this inevitable danger rising from within the ranks of Catholicism as the result of the secret satanic Illuminati Masonic influence. So in other words, the Catholic Church is good, it's wonderful, it's always been good, but you know, in the last hundred years, because of the Illuminati, because of the Masons, they've infiltrated the Catholic Church. And now it's been corrupted. It was, it was okay when they were doing all this stuff in the Inquisition and all the paganism that's always surrounded it and all the evil things they've always... and all the pedophile priesthood, which predated all of That's been okay. It's just as of recent, there's been this alarming trend of corruption from the Illuminati and the Masons. Now, is there Illuminati Masonic influence? Sure. 
But don't tell me something that was corrupted from its very inception. The Bible says if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Psalm 11, verse 3. Don't tell me that if it's been corrupted from its inception, now all of a sudden, you know, oh no, it's, it's, it's just now though that this has happened. And see, this is the not-so-subtle promotion that Raiders News Network slash Tom Horn is getting into more and more and more. These priests claim, now I'm going back to the description, these priests claim secret knowledge of a multinational power elite and occult hierarchy operating behind supernatural and global political machinations. Among the secret society are sinister, false Catholic infiltrators. They're not true, good, real Catholics. No, they're sinister, false Catholic infiltrators. How dare they? How dare these sinister, false Catholic infiltrators infiltrate this devil cult that's taken millions of people to hell over the thousands of years? Not thousands, but hundreds and hundreds of years. You see what we're you see what he's doing here? They're sinister false Catholic infiltrators. It's always been corrupted. It's never not been corrupted. It's always been of its father, Satan, and of his lust and of his works, the Catholic Church will do. There's never been a time that it hasn't been corrupted. But no, 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 it's not that at all. Scott, no, no, you're wrong. It's the sinister false Catholic infiltrators who understand that as the Roman Catholic Church represents one-sixth of the world's population and over half of all Christians. This is straight from good old Tom Horn's advertisement to promote his book. So he's he's making he's he's serving Satan both ways. He's pilfering the flock, making money off this garbage. Filthy lucre. And he's also pointing people to the Catholic Church because he's flat out calling them Christians. See, it's these terrible, sinister, false Catholic infiltrators that are leading away the Christians. I mean Catholics. Right? Because that's what he's saying here. He's calling Catholics Christians. It is indispensable... Now, back to the advertisement here. It is indispensable for controlling future global elements in matters of church and state and the fulfillment of a diabolical plan called Alta Vendetta, which assumes control of the papacy and helps the false prophet deceive the world's faithful, including Catholics. He's got to make sure that we know that Catholics are Christians. Tom Horn is going out of his way his, Tom Horn and his handlers, I should say, are going out of their way to make sure that we are fully convinced that Catholics are Christians, just like us born-again Bible-believing Christians. Listen to this. They're the same as us. No different. If this don't get you fired up, your wood's wet. This should get us righteous indignant. Be angry and sin not. This guy don't need to be turned over to Satan. I don't know who does. He's pointing people to the Catholic Church. He's giving them a stamp of approval. I feel like I'm in the Twilight Zone reading this stuff. So, they're going to deceive the world's faithful, including the Catholics, into worshiping the Antichrist. I want to make sure I highlight that part of this. As stated by Dr. Michael Lake at the front of his unprecedented report, Catholic and evangelical scholars have dreaded this moment for centuries. So now you see how we're yoking up? We're in, now we're in lockstep. We see, we, we Christians want to side with the Catholic scholars and the good Catholics that have predicted this terrible rise within the Catholic Church of the Illuminati and Freemasonic forces to ultimately this Petraeus Romanus who is going to be the last Pope, who will literally bring the destruction of the Catholic Church, which probably will, maybe this will actually happen, who knows? But it's going to be the destruction of the Catholic Church so that we can have the one world church of Antichrist. 
Like I said, it's not going to be known as the Catholic Church anymore. This is all part of their plan. But none of that's stated. No, 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 no. No, we've, we've got to prevent this infiltration. Oh, man, this is so flagrant. This is so flagrant, what he's doing. Unfortunately, as you will discover, time for avoiding Peter the Roman just ran out. So what does the book reveal? It reveals for the first time, now this is from their advertisement, for this disgusting devil book that he just released. 2012 is the end of the prophecy of the popes. So in other words, it's going to happen this year. Now, Tom Horn has been putting out a lot of things lately, and I'm not even getting that into today, that the Pope is going to be stepping down real soon. I don't know, his 85th birthday or whatever? It's coming up in April, I think. April or May? He's done. If he can even make it that far. They're having to prop him up just like they did John Paul. I think it's they're so full of demons, they're getting weighed down. It's like, man, all these demons, they weigh so much. I can barely prop myself up. Even on my Dagon cane or whatever he's got. Poor guys. I mean, to be that heavily laden with demons, I mean, you know, it's got to take its toll. Can't we have a heart? Sorry, anyway. Um, Okay, so 2012 is the end of the prophecy of the popes. Now, you see how, like, we could be, you could be saying, well, okay, what is this? I mean, this is very, very pertinent to the day and times we're going into. 2012... Man, there's going to be a lot of crazy stuff that goes down this year, no doubt. And I think we really need to be warned, forewarned, forearmed with knowledge regarding what's coming. And not to be taken unaware, and not to be ignorant of Satan's devices, lest he get an advantage of us, and not to be destroyed for lack of knowledge, and to reprove the unfruitful works of darkness and have no fellowship with them. That's what we're doing today. We're approving this garbage. So, what's the other thing it reveals for the first time? Revealed the French, the secret French codex. Written by a Jesuit mathematician. Oh good, now that's a stamp of approval. If I've ever heard one, the wicked evil, the most wicked sect of the Catholic Church, the Jesuits. Remember I read their oath in, I don't know, one or two teachings back? That, I mean, it made a Freemasonic oak uh, oath look like a walk in the park. You talk about blasphemous, that oath. Yeah, it was a Jesuit mathematician of secret French codex written over 60 years ago that determined his arrival in the year 2012. His, meaning the Antichrist, the Petraeus the Romans. So now we've got all of these demon-possessed Catholic prophets that we're supposedly supposed to put our trust in. Now, if if this stuff goes down, like they're saying it goes down, what does it do? It validates the demon-possessed prophets who supposedly either wrote about this or prophesied about this, you know, decades or hundreds of years ago. What does that look like? Well, that looks like, well, we're on the right track here. This is the truth. Catholics are Christians. You know, it's just been infiltrated. Now I finally understand. I'm telling you, this is a big deception that's coming down the line. All the all the Catholic, all the supposed Christian denominations are going to be jumping on this bandwagon before you know it. You better know how to, to you know, battle this stuff. Here's the third point. Found the ancient mysterious lost book that John Hogue the last pope said was gone forever. John Hogue, he was the last pope. I guess he was the author of the last pope. Said was gone forever. Oh, so now we have this ancient, mysterious, lost book. I'm rubbing my hands together. Oh, good. More, no, more, more Gnostic, occult, hidden knowledge. It's the same thing the witches and the warlocks and the wizards all go after. All the high-level occultists and Luciferians. More lost books of knowledge. You know how much of that garbage is going to be coming out and already has come out? It's kind of funny, all, all these lost books of knowledge always end up denigrating Jesus Christ, or supposedly disproving hist- historical things, or going totally against the Bible. Oh, no wonder. I've done tons of studies on that. So now, you know, we're going to have this lost book finally. Good. Here's the next point. What Jonathan Edwards, 
America's most important and original philosophical theologian and greatest intellectual, believed about the year 2012 and the coming of the false prophet and Antichrist. Next point, from Manning to Malcomy, Malky, Catholic seers, meaning Catholic, they're, they're demon-possessed. They're nothing more than a witch. This is the stuff that the Bible forbids. I mean, if you're a medium or a clairvoyant, which is what these guys are, it was a death sentence in the Old Testament. Oh, but no, no, these are Catholic seers who warned of his coming and died under mysterious circumstances. Oh, boy. Those poor, true Catholics. They were, they were the good guys. They're the ones we really need to look to in this, this time of great tribulation we're coming into. Do you see this is what he's doing? And then the secret of Rosemary's baby? What the? Rosemary's, who he, say, who he says is Petraeus's baby. Okay. Uh, Rosemary's baby. You know, you, you hearken back to that movie that came out. Anton LaVey literally played, I believe, Satan in it. The guy that started the satanic church? Yeah. Well, this is, we're going to finally find out the secret of Rosemary's baby. Okay. Next term. And, and again, you go up on Tom Horn's site, and I mean, you could just get lost in all of the ways he just dissects every little occult thing that has went on. Yes, I do think we should have a general working knowledge of how the occult underpinnings of this nation, or maybe false religions and things of this nature, but do we need to immerse ourselves up to our eyeballs in this stuff all day long? I've known Christians that have done that, and they fall away. They've went so far as to buy occult writings, like from Alice Bailey or, or um, Madame Blavatsky. And they get they, they bring these cursed books in their house, and it's kind of wonder you start to see them falling away, and they start thinking that you can't tell them nothing, and they've got all this figured out. Where does God say that we need to be doing all that garbage to have a basic occult knowledge and background, and not to be ignorant of Satan's devices is one thing, but we can carry it way too far. This guy carries it beyond anybody I've ever seen. We don't need to immerse ourselves in this garbage all the time. I tell people, get in the Word of God. Do we have to know all this, all the little intricate workings of, oh yes, we do. We do. Our lives depend on it. No, they don't. They depend on the Word of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Alpha, the Omega, the First and the Last, our Kinsman Redeemer. It doesn't depend on this garbage. God can guide us in all truth. He said, when I go, it's expedient that I go. For when I will go, I will send the Comforter. And he will guide you in all knowledge and truth. The Holy Spirit lives inside a born-again Christian. Okay, so let's go further. What's the next thing the book reveals? A cryptic 2012 poem. When the Pope walks over the dead bodies of priests, the woman prepares to ride the beast. Well, it's catchy, but okay... So, I guess that's something we're going to be looking for. When the Pope walks over the dead bodies of priests, the woman prepares to ride the beast. What's the next thing? The fourth secret of Fatima. Finally. Been waiting for this for so long. And other suppressed Marian texts. So, in other words, it's like, this is truth. This is an absolute, total, shameless promotion of the Catholic Church. This whole book all of these secret mysteries within the Catholic Church finally unveiled, so now we can finally get the truth from this devil cult from the pit of hell responsible for millions of born-again, Bible-believing Christians dead, pedophile priesthood, works-based religion. You could go on and on and on about all the atrocities. We're finally going to get the truth from this same devil-corrupted institution. What's the next point? Evangelical dominionists and their energetic role in paving the way for his coming. Hmm. I don't know what angle he's working there, but I guess that's going to be maybe exposing the dominionists, which I've done. Okay. Where they believe that we're not going to go through the tribulation, that they're going to be so good through their own works and their own actions that Jesus Christ is literally going to come back to planet Earth, 
and rule and reign without us having to go through the tribulation. Evangelical dominionists. A lot of people believe that now. I've done whole teachings exposing just key in dominionism or dominionists in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com. The energetic role in paving the way for his coming. In other words, the, the person that comes back, and I agree with that part because the person that does come back, the Antichrist, is going to proclaim himself to be Jesus, the Christ that we've been waiting for. The return of the Christ. But it's almost as though he's doing this little thing to expose the dominionists, but he's not going to say utter a word against the Catholic Church, the true faithful. No, no, no. Perish the thought. What's, what's another point? Uncanny mystics and the keeping of the hidden knowledge. Oh, good. I'm so glad we can get some more gnosis, some more occult knowledge on all these uncanny mystics. I mean, we definitely need to immerse ourselves in that garbage. I mean, hey, why not just go up and get your palm read? Why not go to, go to a witch and get a, uh, have her scry a crystal ball for you? Or do a tarot card reading? Or Satelius, maybe. Maybe, get, maybe throw some entrails around the room and, and, and read the entrails wherever they fall. That's one of the ways they do it, too. Why not go to a voodoo high priest and have him read your fortune? I mean, to me, that's all I'm seeing here. Is pointing toward the occult, pointing toward witchcraft, pointing toward the Catholic Church, as though this is going to be the truth that us Christians need to rely on in order to be able to go into the, into the coming end times undeceived. And I'm seeing the exact opposite here. You seen any red flags with this? And then, the New World Order of the Quest. And the X marks the spot. Find the head and the body will follow. I don't even know what that's about. And then, get ready. Will it be black, white, or blood red smoke? Now, whenever they elect a new pope, they go into their little conclave and you see puffs of smoke come out the chimney stack and that represents if they've made a decision regarding the next pope or whatever. I just hope they come out with a toiletry line. The Pope on the rope, you know, maybe to inaugurate inaugurate the next Pope. I don't know. I'm just funny that way. Anyway, let's go further here. Let me see how we're doing on time here. Okay. Most frighteningly for John Paul, he had come up against the Amu... Okay, now this is a Catholic priest, Malachi Martin, the keys of the blood. Okay, this was his prophecy. This was an exact quote from him. He's promoting this prophecy, and it says... Most frighteningly, frighteningly for John Paul, meaning Pope John Paul, he had come up against certain irremovable, against the irremovable presence of a malign strength in his own Vatican. Meaning that he had come up against this evil force against his own beloved Vatican, in his own beloved Vatican, the Pope. And in certain bishops and chanceries, indeed, Paul had alluded somberly to the smoke of Satan which had entered the sanctuary. Like Satan wasn't already there? <laughs> I mean, come on! They go around and they parade corpses around everywhere, worship them. Just look at my last teachings. They worship dead bodies in glass. Imagine the reason they're in glass because they probably stink everything up so bad that, you know, they can't just have them out there. It's just one of the things they do. So he was sad that the smoke of Satan had entered the sanctuary. Hmm. An oblique reference to the enthronement ceremony by Satanists in the Vatican. The enthronement of the fallen Archangel Lucifer was effected within the Roman Catholic Citadel on June 29, 1963. A fitting date for the historic promise about to be fulfilled, as the principal agents of the ceremony well knew. Satanist tradition had long predicted that the time of the prince would be ushered in at the moment when a pope would take the name of the Apostle Paul, in this case, Pope Paul VI. That requirement signaled the availing time had become, had begun, and had accomplished and had been accomplished just eight days before with the election of the latest Peter in the line. So in other words, this whole thing of this end time Pope that's ultimately going to come was going to be, the, the first part of that was going to be signaled 
when the next pope took the name of uh, the Apostle Paul, in this case, Pope Paul VI. That requirement signaled this availing time had begun. The availing of the final pope, is, in essence, is what they're in reference to here. Okay. Now, if we go further, now again, this is all in the advertisement to this book, Tom Horn shamelessly promoting, that he's the main author. The final section of the prophecy of the popes attributed to St. Malcolmy says, okay, this is another quote from that. This is the final section of the prophecy of the popes attributed to St. Malcolmy. In extreme persecution, the seat of the Holy Roman Church, the Holy Roman Church, will be occupied by Peter the Roman, who will feed the sheep through many tribulations. When they are over, the city of seven hills will be destroyed, meaning Rome, the Vatican, and a terrible and fearsome judge will judge his people. The end. Okay, this is the supposed prophecy. Some believers in this prophecy say that Petraeus Romanus, or Peter the Roman, is symbolic of the pontificate, meaning the Pope. And that final Pope could have a Christian name variation that satisfies this meaning. On this order, the man who in 2012 correctly predicted that the Pope succeeding John Paul II would be named Benedict XVI, whose name was Ronald L. Conti Jr., believes the next Pope will take the name Pius VIII. And that, quote, Peter the Roman means this Pope will reaffirm the authority of the Roman pontiff over, over all the church. This authority is based on the place of, on his place as successor of Peter. And, quote, will emphasize the supremacy of the Roman Catholic faith and the Roman Catholic church above all other religions and denominations and its authority over all Christians and all peoples of the world. Well, they're already starting to do that. They've already done that. I've done whole teachings on that. That Rome has proclaimed itself the only one true church. And the National Council of Churches actually, the National Council of Churches who are supposedly Christian, reaffirmed that. They've already said this. To this, Conti adds, quote, During the reign of Pope Peter the Roman, the great apostasy begins. And the Pope will mark the first part of the tribulation during our generation. Okay, so let me see here. I think I'm going to have to go to a part three here. Okay, I just checked. I'm going to go ahead and end part two here. And uh, we'll, fit, we'll wrap everything up in a part three teaching. So God bless you, and we'll see you in part three.